Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the ability to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com pro screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 76 of Screwball, and we are coming on the tales of some historic moments in baseball. One of the more historic uh, milestones in a career for a particular player here that we'll get into, and some historic uh, dealings being made in the MLB uh, that we'll get to in a little bit. But as we kind of usually do, we will go and tackle our topic of conversation first this week. And like I say every week, if you're new to the show, uh, Frank, my co-host, usually brings um, the topic of conversation to us. And the topic this week revolves around, um, you know, the Field of Dreams game and the Little League World Series game that we just saw uh, this past Sunday. And just the general question of, you know, should baseball build more stadiums and do more events like that possibly? Um, and just generally try to build the game in, in smaller markets or in markets that really don't have their own team or are kind of in between teams or are subject to blackouts or stuff like that. So uh, as I usually do, I'll let Frank kind of lead the conversation. He brings the topic. So yeah, I don't know what you're kind of thinking with, with this topic. Um, I know it was actually surprising because I was, I was kind of thinking about it too, like if they would do more stuff like this because I really like the Field of Dreams game. Um, but I don't know where they could go next. So maybe you have some some ideas on where they could go or, or what they could do. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Field of Dreams was a, was a great success. Um, the Little League World Series uh, Classic game they've been doing for a couple of years has always been a, a success. So the idea is, you know, I mean, they did a London one, London Series, uh, a few years back. I mean, I'm not a huge fan in the overseas um, just because it really messed up with scheduling. They've done Japan in the past. Um, they have done the Dominican um, in preseason or spring training, which isn't bad, but regular season, I know it's a little makes it a little tough. But you know, I think they can definitely build some fields in these in these smaller stadiums in certain cities and really spread the game. Um, also, when they're not playing there, and it doesn't have to be every year they go there, because then if you have these six stadiums, seven stadiums, you know, you have so much going on. But every year, every couple of years, they go back there. Right. And they play a game or play a series there. But also when the stadium's there, now it's built. Now they can use it for Little League. They can use it for college. They can use it for minor leagues. They can use it for, you know, the kids. They can use it for anything at that point. But, you know, you can, you know, go to Vegas and test the waters there. Uh, Tennessee, great growing market for anything. You see, everyone goes to Tennessee now. Nashville, I mean, it's a great growing market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Louisiana is a great baseball town. LSU. Uh, Oklahoma, great baseball uh, Virginia is great in baseball. These places, they don't have their own teams, and some of them don't really have a team even nearby. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, where you got the Texas teams that are closest, and they're they're way out of the way. Yeah. Or St. Mm-hmm. Louis and Kansas City. I mean, they're ways away. Louisiana, Atlanta, maybe. So like there's places that you can go. The Dakotas are great baseball. You know, they, they love baseball up there. Even Montreal. I mean, you got Montreal. Obviously, we haven't been there. They had their own team, but you can go back there. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, you got these... These other cities, even up north, Maine, New Hampshire, you have Boston, that's it. Mm-hmm. So you could build these stadiums, it would also just help grow the game. Now you have, you know, we've seen yesterday, we have people in their backyards watching the Little League World Series. That's going to grow the game. Those yep. kids, 
they had a one guy had like a little like those little crane kind of things or bucket trucks. He had to lift it up and he had two seats in there. Mm-hmm. And he was watching it with his with his kids. It just grows the games. Now they're fans for life. Yeah, it's an intimate game. It's a minor league stadium where you're almost you know almost feel like it's just you and you know a couple thousand people and you're in the stadium. It's an intimate uh, kind of scenario where you're just the only fans. You know your voice is heard through the stadium. You know you could talk to the guys. You become a fan for life. Right. You know, like you said, blackouts. They have the blackouts are terrible for baseball, but you're able to grow the game this way. You're able to you know see players and teams that you don't really see much. And then, like I said, when they're gone, you get to use that field. You get to use it for baseball. You get to use it for anything. Yep. So it just grows the game. I think it'd be a great idea maybe to put them in some of these cities. It also tests the idea of, especially with the MLB and some other sports being on the verge of expansion. It gives you an idea. Yeah, let's build a stadium there and give it a shot and go play there for a little while. Mm. You know, South Carolina. You know, there's all, so many you know states and, and cities that you could put a, put a stadium nearby and just let them go play there. Mm. Um, and then try bringing in fans and bringing in I think it would be a great idea to grow the game like I said you play there once every other year you know if it works out great you play there every year play one game there um, maybe play a spring training series there anything just brings the game just changes it it gives you a new look and you know it's just it's something different and I think it would just really help grow the game which is what baseball is trying to do and grow the markets they could do that and limit blackouts I mean you would just grow the game to uh, an unbelievable level yeah and I, and I think the biggest thing, again, having these fields when they're gone to use, major league level quality fields, they can play tournaments in Little League and, and, and travel ball, and, and they could play minor leagues, and college, colleges can use it. You know, it's just, it would be a great thing to do. It would, I think it would just be, it would be an unbelievable idea. Yeah, there's a lot of um, middle America markets. You know, if you look at, um, if you look at where, you know, a lot of these teams are, you got the East Coast, you got the West Coast, you know, you got the South, you know, you got the three Texas teams, you got Arizona, you got Atlanta, you got the two Missouris. So, you know, there's a lot of middle America they're missing. Uh, you got Colorado is in the middle. Um, but yeah, like you said, like Tennessee is a good, is, is a good area to, to think about. There's markets all over the place that you could, you know, that you could think about doing, like you said, just one-off games or hell expansion teams if they want to go that far so there, there's a lot of options for them or there's a lot of options for teams to relocate i know the tampa bay rays have been uh thrown around a lot but i believe they i believe they got a new stadium approved for a new stadium build yeah, or something like some concepts and stuff similar to oakland yeah so you know i don't know what you do with them but like you said montreal a lot of people are, are in for that there's there's areas in the country where you could really go and you know, I think it'd be a good idea for the for them to continue to do games like this because the Field of Dreams game was awesome. I think it was the hot, highest rated regular season game for baseball in, in, 16 years. in 16 years. So it worked, clearly. I loved it. You know, I know you liked it, if I'm not mistaken. The college, uh, excuse me, the Little League World Series game is great because you can grow the game with the kids, even though they're already into baseball, clearly. But now they're fans for life. Right. It solidifies, you know, they get to meet Mike Trout or Otani or, or whatever. Fans of those guys for life. So fans of that franchise maybe for life. But, you know, you lock in. They're always going to follow that team. They're always going to follow that player because, hey, I met them. Mm. I got their autograph. Just gives a different feel. And in growing the game, especially you got to think, Dakotas, Wyoming, Montana, there's just nothing up there. There's no, there's no sports franchise. No. If you're the team, 
the professional team that goes there. You're the teams that are going to go play there for a series. You're going to attract a lot of people. Oh yeah, it's like Montreal when they had the they have the expedition game there. Mm. They attracted a lot, a lot of people just for a, a spring training game. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if you build somewhere near, uh, you know, in uh, South Dakota. I know South Dakota, I believe, is a little bit more populated. Uh, you could build something there, and then you bang, you get all that that market in the in the northern area. Um, maybe you're a little bit more you know, trepidatious because it gets colder up there. But build, you know, you could build a retractable roof stadium or, or something to that regard, you know. Go play a game in Hawaii. I mean, they're great baseball. That's a great baseball area, mm-hmm. Hawaii. I mean, it's all over the Little League World Series. It's all over everything, mm-hmm. Hawaii. And you would have players, you would have these former players, current players who would endorse that. Yeah. And chip in money. I mean, you have Victorino. You think he wouldn't put a little thing in there to go Hawaii? You know, hell, make a team, go, go play a game in Alaska. Yeah, imagine. In the middle of summer, when it is warm up there. It'd be, it would just be, you don't hear nothing from them. Mm-hmm. Go play a game up there. It would be crazy for the, for the players to go experience that. But also, you just grow the game. Right. You're spreading the game out. Right. In all these areas. It would, I think it would just be, you know, you make fans for life. That's all. You just make a lot of, it's just different. Yeah. And, and you would get people to come in and buy those tickets and, and, and say, like, hey, I went to that game. Remember when they played there the first time I was there? Remember that they haven't played? You know, they played there five years ago. I was at that game, and now you're talking. You know, it's just it's it's just different. Yeah, and like you said, I think a perfect opportunity would be those that market up near the Dakotas and Oregon and all that because they really, I guess those you know people if they're baseball fans would be a Mariners fan or or something to that regard, maybe a Rockies fan or there's kind of it's or you're a big market team because they're going to play more national television, which you're going to get. Yeah, that's true. But you know. You go to the fans. Right. Always having the fans come to you. Right. You go to the fans. And I think that would just, it would just really resemble or, or really want to uh, resonate with the fans. And be like, yeah, I'm, I'm in for that. Yeah. And if you could go somewhere that's kind of not a tapped in market for a lot of other sports and you could be the first sport there, you could, you know, all of a sudden now people around that area are just big baseball people. It just, yeah. you know, and then and it goes from there. And you go to these growing cities and states too, like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Nashville, it's growing, it's going crazy. Look at the hockey team; everyone goes to Nashville now. It would be great to have a game there. It's an attractive thing. Vegas, it's an attractive area now for sports now. Idaho, one of the biggest growing states in, you know, in the country, one yep. of the best economies. You jump in there, it's just things are growing. Now you just tap into it real quick, you know, put the seeds in. Like, hey, we play baseball here once in a while, and you know, now we, you know, like I said, you just grow the game. And you think, oh, maybe we won't, you know, well, you know, how much are you actually going to grow it? Well, even if you grab 10% of the people now, 5% of the people, now they become more fans. It worked. It's better than just keep running out the same old thing over and over and over and over again. It's true. So just want to give it a shot. And like I said, when you're done, the stadium's always going to be there. And it's not like a big stadium, mm. you know, where you're all oh, 15,000 people there. It's a small field. It's just going to be professionally done. So right. Now they can always use it. Now you can play Little League there. And some of these places don't have Little Leagues mm-hmm. or don't have baseball. Now it has baseball. It can use that field. It can use it for whatever. It can use it for other sports too. Play football on it. Play soccer on it. Now you just have this area that's paid for and going to be kept up with by the base, by MLB Baseball or pay some. they're going to pay somebody to keep up with. It's going to be kept up professionally. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, you can't go wrong with, with having a field like that. You know, if uh, young kids into, into baseball, you'd kill to play on a field like that. So I think it's a good idea. I think they should look more into it and look more for more good ideas like the Field of Dreams, um, a little bit more 
adventurous, you know, games, I think that they could definitely succeed. Uh, maybe don't go too far with it where you, you all of a sudden, like, every, you have a hundred games a year in different places, but start to branch out a little bit. Yeah, you, you can go, you can here, be a little adventurous. A couple of years later, you go back there and it's just a continuous spread. Almost like once a year, you're going to have the Iowa, you know, the field of dreams. You're going to have the literally world series. And then maybe you have a one, another one mm-hmm. each year. And the, every year that third one's always rotating, you know, the third one's always, always changing. And, you know, we're in South Dakota this year, and next year we're going to be in Nashville, and in a couple of years you come back to these places, and just spreads the game out, that's all. Yeah. And then you got people who played, who, who grew up in these states. Like I said, Hawaii, you know, you have Hawaiian players. You have Canadian players, Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you would get the endorsement out of these players and these people, and you would, they would love it to go back to their home and play. You know, we've seen, uh, even yesterday, yes, uh, with the Little League World Series, Joe Madden, I think they say grew up like 30 miles from, Little, from Williamsport. So that's, that's like cool. his home, kind of being back there. So it's 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 pretty cool. You know, you get to go to these different places, and um, like I said, it's all about spreading the game. Yeah, and then baseball could definitely use that. So um, if they have any more ideas like that, keep them coming because, like I said, Field of Dreams was a, was a good idea, and it worked out well, and and it was one of the better things baseball's done in a while. So, you know, if they can keep them coming, but I don't know what their future plans are. Maybe they have something cooking we don't even know about. But with that, that was our topic. I hope you guys kind of feel the same way. Hopefully, you know, the baseball MLB thinks of more stuff like that, but you know, who knows? Maybe it just sticks to field of dreams and, and little league for a few years. Um, so let's move on to the news section of the show. Uh, the first piece of news is probably, probably the biggest piece of news I would say this week is, uh, Miguel Cabrera on Sunday, August 22nd, Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run of his career, making him the 28th player to do so. This basically solidifies Miggy as a future Hall of Famer, especially since he is now less than 50 hits away from his from 3,000 career hits. And CBS Sports asked the question, who will be the next MLB player to reach 500 home runs? Which is a good question. The next closest player being Nelson Cruz, who sits 57 away right now. At which 90 years old. At 41 years old, probably requires another two seasons after this of potent home run hitting. Yeah, so... You know, and then after that, it kind of, you know, you have Stanton, who was on pace to be the fastest, uh, had some injuries, hurt his pace. Trout and Harper are two guys on a, on a trend. Uh, but other than that, there's no uh, real, real close guys like there was with Pujols and, and Miggy. So, no, um, you never know. You got guys who just fly through. Matt Olson, Pete Alonzo. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got to kind of rely on the younger guys now. I think uh, – you know, Nelson Tatis. Cruz, I don't think, gets there. Yeah, Tatis on a good pace. Soto. Yeah, he's on a good pace. You're John Alvarez. He's on a very good pace, too. So, there's guys out there. Uh, I thought it was a good question to ask. They looked they looked at some guys and analyzed them. If it wasn't for... Really, if it wasn't for Stanton getting having some injury marred years and, and well, Trout having a big uh, injury problem as of late, uh, I think that both of those guys could have easily seen 500 home runs. Now it's not that it's not going to happen. It's just not as easy. It's not as a, as much of a guarantee. So uh, congrats to Miggy though. Uh, like I said, future all famer. Once you hit that milestone, that pretty much, you know, the voters like the milestone. So if you hit yeah. that and he's going to have 3000 hits, so don't be seven short. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Fred McGriff. Then you won't get even looked at. God forbid. <laughs> Number two piece of news. The San Diego Padres just announced today as a Monday that they are parting ways with pitching coach Larry Rothschild. Uh, Jace Tingler took responsibility for the decision 
and Ben Fritz will step in as the interim uh, pitching coach the rest of the 2021 season. The Padres currently rank 10th in the NL with a rotation ERA of 4.34, as big arms like Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish have not pitched as effectively as they have in past seasons. Uh, it also comes, I believe, off the tail of since the All-Star break, they have something like a 5-point-something, you know, 5.34 ERA or something to that regard. So the pitching has not been the strength for the Padres. You know, they're, they're falling a little behind with the Red Hot Giants and Dodgers. So uh, they had to make a move, and uh, I guess this was where they turned their attention to. So, I, you know, Lara Rothschild is uh, familiar to us because, you know, we're Yankee fans. Um, you know, you never really know behind the scenes what these guys do. Larry Rothschild was somewhat praised last year with the Padres and now it gets turned on. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't pretend to know, like I know what goes on behind the scenes. He has a little bit of a track record with pitching. So best of luck to him moving on. But, uh, the Padres have big decisions to make now with pitching yeah. for sure. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe a little bit of old school and trying to go to a new school approach here, uh, late in the season. But, yeah. Um, right. Some other news here. Yanni Molina uh, and the Cardinals working on another one-year extension. be great for him and the Cardinals uh, come back um, and uh, let the fans see him again. Um, great player and still having uh, producing at, at a pretty high level for a catcher. Obviously, the Little League World Series game yesterday was, was a good game. It was, was, was great to see. We had uh, the Mets' new owner, Steve Cohen, um, tweeting uh, <laughs> at his team. In, uh, a little upset with them and how they've been hitting and their approach to hitting of not getting on base and whatnot. Um, so that was um, it's pretty of, amazing, kind of exciting. I guess you could see. Um, obviously, when you want a uh, owner that's going to pay a lot of money and get involved as much as he is, he's going to have things to say. And he's going to come public with them. Steinbrenner esque approach to to ownership, which yeah. is not a bad thing. Jerry Jones approach, I guess. You know, it's it's how it is. And the last piece of news I have here is actually two things I got. Um, we have uh, Vado, which 2,000 hits recently, so that's great for him. Yep. Uh, that's a big milestone for him. And uh, the other piece was Topps now loses the official card of baseball, and that would be in, what, 2026? Fanatics will be the official owner or, or official card of baseball. Yep, 2026. Yeah, so um, actually Fanatics, I believe, owns is now the official card for NBA and will be the official card for NFL as well. I know that Fanatics, I believe, was trying to buy Tops now recently, and that didn't go through. So now I think Fanatics went to the MLB to become the card. So, I mean, I think maybe there's a chance that they take Tops now mm-hmm. if they try buying it now. But um, that is big news. It was 71 years of Tops now running the kind of run the show there. And the card market um, is at really an all time high right now. Yeah, it was was surprising news. Um, I just want to read a quote here just on top of that. We don't have to keep going into it, but um, the quote I have from CBS Sports is, uh, the MLBPA deal begins in 2023, while the agreement with the MLB itself will begin in 2026, following the end of the league's current agreement with Tops um, in 2025. According to um, Tony Clark uh, of the MLBPA, his memo, the total value of the deal is more than 10 times bigger than any the union has ever struck and is also part of a series of recent deals expected to generate nearly $2 billion in revenue through 2045. So there's, they're trying to see um, bigger picture here. Uh, I don't think they necessarily lose them any money with tops. I think they would have done well with tops, but fanatics is a growing 
you know, it was a growing brand, and, and they went with, I, I guess, they liked what they had to offer. I think also it had a deal, something to do with the, the players getting more money out of the cards, mm. out of the deal. I think you're right. I think that's why the Player Association pushed for it. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Fanatics maybe try to make it a push to get a hold of Tops. Yeah. And then still be Tops, just owned by Fanatics. Right, right. Yeah, like they can still operate, it's just they have an because umbrella Tops name. Because is, 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 it's the Tops. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the top guy, so... You know, to take them out, I don't know. It's still people are still gonna buy tops cards. It's not gonna be like the official card, right? So it's gonna right. lose its values at some point, but it's still tops, right? That's why you still see like Bowman mm-hmm. still has you know their cards and they're very you know expensive and they still have all the other other uh, I think it was called Pride Chase or some some. There's always there's a bunch of them, and there's a handful of them that are real top card. You know, mm-hmm. top. I guess you could say dealerships. Or uh, card manufacturers, so you're gonna have a still handful of them. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But um, you know, that was uh, kind of unexpected news. Yeah, it was unexpected. I didn't really think that that'd ever go away. But uh, you know, like you said, maybe they get bought and uh, they roll up under Fanatics and they continue their work. The people that work there continue to work at the stuff. So uh, we'll see. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully it does generate more money for baseball and more money for baseball is, uh, you know. Too much money can be a bad thing, but, you know, could be a good thing, too. Also, after the down 2020 and really lower 2021 revenue, probably it was a big push for it, too. So let's find a way to make some of this revenue back, even though they're not, you know, hurting for money. But obviously, they don't want to keep losing it. And these yeah. two years are going to be tough on making money. So right, that's right. going to be a big reason why they went for it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You never know. But number four, the wrap-up of the news. Uh, who's doing the best right now? Well, the Giants still own the best record in the league. Incredible. At 80-44, and 44, the only 80-win team in the league currently. Dodgers are behind them in the NL at 78-47. and 47. Uh, Over in the AL, the Rays own the best record in the AL at 77-48. While the Astros are the next closest behind at 73-51. and 51. Uh, Dodgers have still owned the best run differential in the league at plus 204. And the Orioles... And their 18-game losing streak come in at minus 233. Yeah. Um, I believe that's still an active streak, right? Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, it is um, impressive, to say the least. I think that's their second streak of, what, 16 or 17 games losing streak? I think so, year. yeah. Um, Not great. But uh, with the Giants, I'll stick with it. I uh, I still don't believe that, that, that they're that great of a team. I, yeah, to be the best in the league. And I mean, then I assume the other day about the analytics and all their analytic approach is the reason why they're playing this good. Sure. Cause the analytics said that Buster Posey was going to have 18 home runs this year. When the last three years combined, he didn't have 18 home runs. <laughs> and he was going to bat 330 this year. And Brian Belt was going to stay relatively healthy and bat 270. And Brian Crawford was going to go nuts this year. The analytics showed all that. I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, it's just a lot of dumb luck and the guys having their best years they've had all at the same time. And a lot of comeback wins. Um, they're playing great. Don't get me wrong, but push comes to shove. Their talent is probably, out of any of the playoff teams right now, probably some of the lowest talent mm-hmm. out of the playoff teams. I mean, that's just how it is. There's a reason why you come into the year, they're projected 70 wins. Yeah. They didn't really make much of a difference. They added Chris Bryant. They're playing good, but I'll still stick by, because talent-wise, they're not up there with some of these other teams. Yeah, it's it's weird to see the, the Dodgers, like, two, two, three games back of them. You know, I, I just don't... Uh, Giants, I guess, just all came together this season, so let's all have our best seasons possible. Gaussman, you know, guys like that. So, yeah. I don't know. 
good for them, good for Giants fans, because they probably didn't have many expectations for the year. So, no. what the hell? Some of the hot teams I got here. Uh, the Yankees playing very well, nine-game win streak. Uh, the Rays playing well. Mariners back in the hunt. Braves nine-game win streak and a 13-game road win streak, which is their record, mm. franchise record. Uh, Brewers and Reds both playing well. Dodgers continue to play well. And the Diamondbacks. How about that? I think they're, what, 7-3 over the last 10 games? It's incredible because I think they went uh, in a 50-game stretch. They had six wins. And I think they have seven in their last 10 games. So that's pretty um, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so um, some cold teams. Blue Jays have been struggling late. Um, the Orioles, 18 straight games of not playing good. The A's have been down on their luck here. Mets, they've just – they're three games under. That's know. And they're – all of a sudden, now they're right from first place all year to what six and a half out. Yeah, red hot um, Braves and and them losing. And their schedule's only getting tougher. The Mets, right? Right. Uh, Marlins down. I think they're two hundred eight over the last ten. Cubs have been just been bad since the All Star break. No, well, yeah, uh, it makes sense. Padres have been really bad. They're not even in the playoffs right now with all the talent they have. That's um, amazing. So those are some teams there that are really struggling, and some of them really. Uh, it's 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 time to hit the panic button. The Mets, the owner is going nuts. Padres, they're, they're out of the playoff spot with as much guys they got, all the stuff they traded away and all the money they're spending and they're not in the playoffs. It's 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 tough for those two teams right now. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like you see with the Padres, you know, they just fired their pitching coach. They clearly see that there's an issue, and uh, I, I don't know why. Like, I'm surprised they're having this because, uh, you know, there's just so much talent on that team. It's weird. I don't know. We'll see what happens with them, you know. They're a team that can get hot and go somewhere, but we'll see. The team, I think, needs to go face the Dodgers. And get a real... And just get that playoff feel back. They played the Dodgers early in the year, and it just, I don't know, things were just going. They felt good. They were, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're missing. That fire team, they go play. The Dodgers always fire them right up, so... Yeah. No, I hear you. Might not be a bad idea to go see them, get get a team like the Dodgers come in, or or maybe a team like the Brewers, someone who's really, you know, one of the top teams, or maybe Giants come in and just, just fire them right up and make mm. them get going. Yeah. Or yeah. a team that does a slowly, you know, Pirates rolling the town or something like that, and you come in maybe figure something out and get a, go get some momentum going. But we'll see. The Padres are definitely in a tough spot right now. With the Reds playing well, the Cardinals playing better of late. The division pretty much out of, out of sight. They're, they got to kind of make, make their move now or they're going to be, you know, in the rearview mirror. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, there's a lot can happen. There's still a month left. So, a lot can happen, especially if they're that close, really. But uh, let's move on to the who's hot and who's not, the hot, play- hot and cold players of the week. So, my first two guys here, as like I try to do, are my, the players of the week. So, number one, the NL player of the week, Tyler Naquin. 522 average over the last week with a 1261 slugging and an 1803 OPS over the last week. Very good. Very good. Uh, number two, with the AL Player of the week, Luke Voigt, 500 average with a 1,000 slugging and a 1,550 OPS. Again, pretty good. Comments. Um, I deserve to play just as much as he does. Chip on his shoulder. Chip yeah. on his back. I don't know. He's got a big back. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. Maybe if he, maybe he'll go play outfield. I don't know. Uh, I'll put him in center field. God forbid. Jesus Christ. Just let him bat. That's just all you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to play center field. Have him fall down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> They'll make drive more runs in than Gardner will. Uh, you're right about that. But uh, <laughs> that seems to be a, a I don't know. I fired him right up. So hey, had played. Finally though, they they put some pressure on a guy and fired him up. That's what you gotta do sometimes. Like hey, you're not playing good. Goodbye. See your, your role's gone. 
Same with Sanchez this year too. And all of a sudden he, he's like, all right, maybe I should change my swing and learn how to hit the ball again. Yeah. Yep. So these guys wake up, you know, they realize, oh crap, <laughs> I want to play. I want to yeah. make money. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, those are the first two guys. Third guy, Ahmed Rosario, batting 500 over the last week with an 864 slugging and a 1405 OPS. Number four, Andrew Benintendi, a 478 average, a 783 slugging, a 1241 OPS. And number five, Nicky Lopez, a 455 average over the last week with a 636 slugging and an 1136 OPS. So uh, what I noticed about the hot and cold list this week, and we'll get to it with the cold guys, some guys were real. I saw like five guys with like a 500 average over the last week. There was like some really hot guys, but there were also some really cold guys. It was like big lists for both, you know? So I noticed, I just noticed that just kind of looking for to list these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty much all the guys I had. Um, I had mentioned here. Um, I believe they had Jake Myers as well. Another guy who's been playing well, but those are pretty much all the guys I had. So I don't really have much to add there. Um, some pitchers to look at though. Uh, Tyler Anderson's been pitching really well. Uh, Bob Gardner turned his kind of his early Diamondbacks career around uh, this year. Uh, pitching very well. Corbin Burns still pitching well. Uh, Wainwright is pitching great. Max Fried complete game shutout the other day. And uh, Josh Hader, a couple, in, a couple innings over the last few days and three saves. Um, so pitching, uh, you know, very well out of the bullpen. So that's yeah. definitely a reason why the Brewers have been, uh, you know, kind of uh, continuing to streak. Upwards. Yeah. Well, you know, Josh Hader. I mean, he's you don't really have to worry about him. You kind of throw him in the bullpen, and he's going to be good. So uh, makes sense. Yeah. Moving on here though to our cold players, my five uh, not players of the week. Uh, number one, Rafael Devers, .056 average over the last week with a .056 slugging and a 111 OPS, probably contributing to the Red Sox kind of sliding uh, as of recently, the last, I don't know, two, two three weeks. Um, number two, Joey Gallo, uh, 059 average over the last week, 118 slugging into 318 OPS. Hasn't really found his stride as a Yankee quite yet. I believe he was pretty ice cold coming into the deadline, so I guess it's just the streak continues. Uh, number three, Mike Moustakis. Finally came off the IL and really hasn't been good. Uh, an 059 average, a 235 slugging, and a 393 OPS over the last week. Uh, number four, Buster Posey, 059 average with an 059 slugging and a 217 OPS over the last week. And Mark Hanna, uh, .087 average over the last week, a 130 slugging, and a 353 OPS over the last week. So some guys here, definitely all big names and all, uh, all on potential playoff teams so that's not ideal for these guys for these teams yeah yeah some of those guys definitely explain why remember their teams are struggling of late as well um some other guys to look at jared kelenic continues to struggle <clears throat> ozzy albies has been struggling of late max kepler for the twins and bellinger for the dodgers has been struggling there's some other, some other names i wanted to add there um some pitchers to look at john means has been struggling uh john gant john gray Zach Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, and the last one I have here is Chris Bissett, which he dealt with his own scary incident the other day with a line drive back to the head. He's got surgery yeah. explained, but um, he feels good, and he got the pretty pretty much the best news possible um, you could have got after that situation. So, but um, he has been struggling a little bit of late. But um, yeah. yeah, that was a scary incident. If you haven't seen it, we'll talk about that. He's actually, you know, going to be on our next segment here with the injury list. One of the guys I added here. So, <clears throat> speaking of that, we might as well get right into it. Some guys I uh, wanted to mention here on the injury list. We had Nelson Cruz was placed on the COVID list. He's actually expected to be activated today, but the Rays are going to correspond that move with 
G-Man Choi getting placed on the IL. Clint Frazier uh, stopped his rehab, and his dizziness and his blurry vision continues, and uh, they're not sure what it is, and they don't even know if his baseball career will continue at this point. So that's a wait and see. Uh, Kenta Maeda placed on the IL, or expected to be placed on the IL. Chris Bissett, we talked about line drive up the head, expected surgery, broken bones, um, but in good spirits, um, feels pretty good. And about the best news he could have gotten after that situation. And it's expected back not, not long from now. Um, Dylan Carlson placed on the IL. Nick Senzel, again, on the IL with that, that knee injury. He's been bothered for, for a couple of years now. Cole Hamill's uh, comeback uh, lasted a week. Um, he, uh, shoulder issue, is on the 60-day DL, and it's done for the year. Uh, Cole Calhoun placed on the IL. Longoria placed back on the IL. It's going to be a short stint. It was just uh, um, related to the vaccine. So it shouldn't be much longer than a couple of days, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Discafano, Discafani placed back on the IL. And Jake Arrieta um, left the game with a hamstring. His first game with the Padres, not pitched well, of course, and um, left with an injury. So not really what the Padres needed when they needed pitching at the most. No. Um, on, the, on the better side of the injury news, you got Alex Manoa, expect, you know, expected off the IL today, pitching for the Blue Jays actually tonight. Uh, the Yankees getting better news for the most part. Uh, Domingo Herman is progressing. Uh, Severino got better news off his shoulder than expected. Gio Shell is expected to return in the next couple days. And we have... There was somebody else for the, the Yankees that I just lost their name. Mm, um, Britain went on the I.L. Oh, Torres. Thank you. Torres, mm-hmm. that's who it was. You're welcome. Uh, I know Britain did get placed in the I.L. That was <laughs> that was new news. But Torres expected to... Um, he was swinging a bat and expected he's progressing. So he should be back soon, too. Okay. Uh, so the Yankees getting relatively more better news than bad news for their injuries. Um, Adam Savelli... Um, for the Indians, uh, progressing. Shane Bieber, as uh, quote was, he's, he plans to pitch this year. Grandal, rehab games, he should be back um, in the coming days. Carl's Radon, progressing, he should be back in a couple days. Uh, Noah Syndergaard pitching bullpens, so maybe he can come back for the Mets, but I think it's a little, you know, too, a little too late at this point. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ross got actually good news. He was you know, partial to an UCL. Tommy John was pretty much inevitable. They told him he doesn't need Tommy John and that he really – it's not that a, hey – you don't have to get it. Let's try this way. They said it's really not required to get it. Oh, okay. They're saying he really doesn't, they don't think he needs it at this point. Injury gets a little worse, maybe he does. But right now, they're like, hey, you definitely could pitch with that. With that. Well, maybe more of a Tanaka situation with the UCL. I was just going to say, yeah. Um, Hoskins back. It's two home runs yesterday for the Phillies. Offense gets sparked. Um, Adam Hauser for the Brewers returns. Kim expected to make uh, rehab, rehab starts for the Cardinals. Uh, Luke Weaver for the Diamondbacks expected back soon. Mookie Betts progressing. Yu Darvish progressing. And Ramil Tapia progressing for the Rockies. So all these players expected to be back really in the relatively in the next couple weeks. All of them, really. So you should see those are some big names on some important playoff teams. Cool. Yeah, uh, both kind of big lists, both coming back and going. So uh, um, I guess it's good that there's a big list for coming back. So it kind of evens out. Yeah, the Chris Bassett situation was definitely the worst of it. You never like to see that from any, you know, any guy, whether you love him or hate him. So, you know, I know that the news he got back was he, it was much better than it could have been. You know, God forbid he hits him in the eye or the temple or something worse. Uh, so stitches, surgery, broken bones, whatever. Uh, he, like you said, he's in good spirits and he'll be back pitching and guy that really has had a really, really good year. So I uh, wish him the best and, uh, you know, wish everyone else the best that went on the IL. Hopefully they come back soon. So uh, to go into our last, you know, segment we always go into, and that is uh, the trivia question. And obviously we keep it relatively up to date what's going on. So wanted to keep it around the home run. 
So we want to do who was the fastest player to 500 home runs? Pretty simple question. And the answer is in his 1639th game, in his 5487th at bat on August 5th, 1999, almost a little over, you know, the anniversary of that, at Bush Stadium, Mark McGuire hit his 500th and his 500th first home run. Of course he did. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? So, Mark McGuire is the fastest player to 500 home runs. And like I said, it was it was uh, August 5th, 1999. So, you know, almost just over to, what, 22-year anniversary of that at Bush Stadium, Old Bush Stadium, his 500-501st home run in his 1639th game and 5,487th at bat. Wow. Absolute masher. Yeah. If you look, um, the pitcher, I can't remember his name, Ash. I think it was like Ash, Alex Ash or something like that. He said, if I give, I might as well, I gave up his 500th career home run, I might as well give up his 500th first, too. That was mm. his quarter after the game. Yeah, right. Um, and Mark McGuire, if you go look up, I believe he is, if not the record holder, he's like a top two or three for the most um, uh, lowest at-bats per home run in MLB history with like 12.9 or 13.1 uh, at-bats per home run or something like that. He's, he's right up there. Mm. Um, a guy who saved baseball. I know he had his, his steroid kind of allegation against him. I think he handled it a hell of a lot better than Barry Bonds did. Yeah. Handled it a lot better than Rafael Palmeiro did. Handled it a lot better than A-Rod did. Handled it a lot better than um, a lot of guys did, which is commendable. And there's guys like that. Giambi, Pettit, um, guys who really handled their their issue for good or bad. Um, but, you know, they handled it right. And McGuire, I think, gets... Really not not enough credit because he saved baseball um, in one of its darkest hours. Yeah, yeah, him and Sosa really did bring it back. Yeah, you know? I, I think really he, he's a guy who can have a statue outside Cooperstown. Is how important he was. Yeah, um, just like Babe Ruth was after the Black Sox scandal. Um, their importance to baseball is, you know, bigger than just about anything. Because if it's not if McGuire doesn't play baseball, there probably is no baseball today, mm. or nowhere near the extent as it is. Right. Same with Babe Ruth. There's no way baseball makes it through the Black Sox handle into World War One or just outside of World War One. There's no way it makes it through that without Babe Ruth. Yep. And McGuire, there's no way it makes it through the strike in '94 and the other minor issues that they had going on in the early, you know, late '80s and '90s and Pete Rose issues and the strike. There's no way it makes it through that without McGuire. Yep. So Agreed. Love McGuire, and I think he does he does deserve more credit and should get more credit for the Hall of Fame for his contribution to baseball. Yeah, because, I mean, I know the, the steroid era is a, a kind of a dark spot on the, on the history, um, but it was mishandled at the time, and uh, I don't know if you can fault the players, especially in that 90s, early 2000s kind of gray area where it was kind of, like, not illegal, you know, yeah, it whatever. Yeah, it wasn't. It's just how it was. It's yeah, so... A, you had a guy come up to you and was like, hey, take this and you'll be a little bit better and you'll stay stronger and you'll stay more healthy and it's not illegal. And it'll make you more money. Yeah, so no, you know, nine out of ten guys aren't going to be like, no, yeah, no, they're going to be like, yeah, all right. It's like, here, take this lottery ticket. It's a winner. Yeah. I don't want it. All right. Yeah, all right, I'll give it to the next guy. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of players were doing it. I know that's not really an excuse, but the problem is, go look in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of guys who took illegal drugs and did illegal things um, and took steroids who were in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. This is how it is. You know, go look back. Go look back, because Mickey Mantle was doing amphetamines and crap like that. Hank Aaron was, I believe, Willie Stargell. There was a th- story about him years ago. A lot of these guys were doing stuff that they really, you know, weren't really, you know, 
illegal, but really weren't, shouldn't have been doing them. Right. Babe Ruth had his own things going on. Ty Cobb punching people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to hear it. Pudge was on steroids. This is how it is. Mike Piazza was probably on steroids as well. You know, it's, they complained about Jeff Bagwell being on steroids. So I don't, I just don't know. You, you, some guys get credited with steroids. Some guys don't. But then you got Pudge, who was looked like a walking steroid. I don't understand. So <laughs> a walking I, steroid. You just you just have a you have a mess. You already have guys in there, right? Have their own issues. And the Negroes were cheating and stuff. Gaylor Perry always was cheating. I mean, I, you always had you, you just put him in. Yeah. You want to put a national sex in name? It is what it is. But just put him in. I don't want to get into a different. That's a whole different, you know, topic. But you know, I just wanted to bring up five hundred home runs. And I wanted to bring up that trivia question with Mark McGuire and then just go on a little quick story about McGuire because his importance to baseball is should be noted. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And uh, McGuire, it wasn't my first thought. He was he was a thought, but I didn't really I didn't really think he would have done it. Just I don't know. He just didn't come immediately to mind. Like he just mashed home runs. From yeah, the day he yeah, walked he to the play, he was like, oh, in the majors, 50 home runs. Yeah. All right. It's, you know, that's what uh, sometimes, and again, I don't want to go on a tangent, but some of these guys, especially Bonds too, these guys didn't need steroids. These guys were gifted athletes and very strong and could hit home runs. It you know, takes a, an unbelievable player to hit the home runs and bats for the average. And right. They did. It was just, I don't know. Instead of hitting 73 home runs that year, maybe he hit 62 home runs that year. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. That, yeah. That's the kind of theory, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was a time and a place. You know, it's uh, if you're young like young, young, and you don't really remember that era that well, you might not get it, but it was time and a place, and uh, players had to make a decision and for their families, for themselves, and yeah. uh, for their teammates, and, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on these guys. Yeah. So and sometimes... If, yeah, and I think if it just if they just went about how a lot of these guys did, McGuire, and like I said, Giambi, it would just kind of like, hey, you know, we did it. it not the healthiest thing. It became, essentially became illegal. We're sorry for it. We own up to it. Let's go, and kind of take you know take their punches and, and roll on. You know you gotta you gotta commend them for that. Yeah. You want to fight it up and down like Rafael Palmero did and look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Bonds tries saying or Clemens is kind of in a gray area because he kind of did that, but also got proved he never really did it, so he's in a gray area. But if you want to just kind of not agree to it, I mean that's just stupid. If you want to come out and just be like, hey, that's what we did. Let's let's move on. That's also something that's noteworthy too. So. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, like you said, there's a lot of gray area and uh, lots to lots to know about that era and, and think about. So, yeah, McGuire definitely a masher though, regardless of steroids. Oh, so, yeah. go look at um, the home runs he hit. Yeah, that Just was a majestic, quite an era of baseball. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a true, yeah, a true, the true home run hitter. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't he had the thing where it was like he hit more home runs in a year than singles or something like that, or he came close or something? I don't even know. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. But I know if he hit the, I believe it was if Babe Ruth hit the home runs, Babe Ruth hit a home runs at the rate that McGuire or was it Bonds? One of them hit a home runs at the rate that McGuire hit home runs. They'd have like 980 <laughs> home runs or something in their careers. Jesus. Just just because he McGuire hit him all the time. Yeah. He just hit a home run all the time. Every day it was like he's gonna hit a home run. Yeah. He hit a home run. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was like I said, time and a place, you know. But uh, that's kind of it's a good trivia question. It's a good one to go out on. Uh, it's kind of all I got for this week. Uh, not super heavy news stuff. Uh, more than usual, I'd say more news than than we're used to especially big milestone with miggy 
But other than that, uh, not much to wrap up on. You know, we're seeing a lot of exciting playoff races. Some teams are kind of like the Braves and the Yankees are kind of getting to where they should be, you know, all year. And, um, you know, still some teams like the Mariners and Giants hanging around who I thought there was no shot. So there's a lot of things to question in baseball, a lot of things to watch, and um, we're getting real, real close to playoff picture stuff. So if your team is on that bubble or already in it, you're happy. But if, you, you know, if they're not in it now, then it's time's, you know, clock's ticking. So Yeah, yeah. if your baseball team's not in the playoff hunt, um, might be time to uh, take the baseball jersey off throw the football one on because that's right around the corner. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Think about your other team. Yeah. Or teams. Yeah. But – MLB, professional baseball, playoffs are coming, and fantasy baseball, playoffs are coming. So, it's an exciting time for us in our little uh, baseball world we have here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if, yeah, if you have anything else, um, if you want to finish up on, but like I said, that's kind of all I got for this week. No, that's it. It's, uh, like I said, it was a good, little, good episode here. Talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, then let's, uh, let's wrap this one up then. Thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLapree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLapree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubsen. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.